Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Linda Kieschnick with Lazy L in Letbetter, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today all loaded up and ready to roll for you. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas livestock auction operators were in Washington, D.C. recently sharing their stories with elected officials. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Putting that carbon-friendly label on their products is a big deal for many companies these days. And how farmers are being impacted by this trend appears to be growing. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Texas pumpkin yields are down due to the excessive heat and drought this summer. I'm Tom Nicoletti and we'll go to the pumpkin capital of Texas to learn more about the drop in yields on Texas Ag Today. Hay is the most widely grown mechanically harvested agronomic crop in the United States. Stored feed, including hay, is normally more expensive than pasture forage, so it is economically advantageous to minimize storage and feeding losses. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Livestock Marketing Association spent two days in Washington, D.C. recently meeting with senators, representatives, congressional staffers, and USDA officials. It was the association's 17th fly-in, allowing livestock auction market owners and operators to share their stories and connect with elected officials. Bracken Markberger and his wife Stephanie operate Milano Livestock Exchange in Milano, Texas. Stephanie says it was an honor to participate and speak with her state and national representatives. It's really nice to get to establish a one-on-one relationship with them and get to know more about what they do and them to get to know what we do. LMA members advocated for Congress to pass bills that would update the Packers and Stockyards Act, specifically a rule that prohibits livestock auction owners from also owning a packing plant or even a small meat locker. Bracken Marburger says the rule is outdated. 
The Packers and Stockyards Act is well over 100 years old now, and uh, we don't do things the same way we did back in 1921. Back then, we had uh, centrally located terminal stockyards that were located right next to Packers. So preventing a person buying as a, your commission agent and a Packer from being very close together made a lot of sense back then. The way we do business in today's world is just not that way. We have free, open, competitive uh, auctions at all of our member markets. These markets are all legally required to sell cattle to the highest bidder, and they're designed to help that consigner get the highest price. That's Bracken Marburger. He's the operations manager for Milano Livestock Exchange in Central Texas. If you're planning to support Texas agriculture and vote for Proposition 1, the Texas Right to Farm Constitutional Amendment, make sure you're registered to vote. Time is running out for Texans to ensure they're registered to vote before the November general election. The deadline to register to vote for those who have not already registered is October 10th. The November general election includes several constitutional amendments, including Proposition 1, the right to farm. Early voting for the election starts October 23rd and runs through November 3rd. You can register to vote, apply for a mail-in ballot, check your registration, find a polling place, and more at votetexas.gov. That is votetexas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Fall harvest is right on schedule here in Texas. 78% of the corn has now been harvested, 28% of the cotton crop now out of the field. Rice harvest stands at 94% complete, with sorghum harvest at 85% done. Putting a carbon-friendly label on products is a big deal for many companies these days. James Hunt tells us it's having a growing impact on farmers and ranchers. We've talked previously about so-called carbon contracts, those arrangements where a company pays a farmer to adopt certain practices that are considered to be carbon-friendly, things like planting cover crops or going no-till. Some farmers have found those arrangements to their liking, while others have studied the concept and decided it doesn't work for them. However, the push for carbon-friendly agriculture is occurring in other ways. Tiffany Dowell-Lashmitt with Texas A&M AgriLife told me one new thing that's happening is... Companies starting to look to only purchase certain items that have been produced in a kind of environmentally friendly or carbon-friendly way. So, for example, you might see a company that purchases grain say, we're only going to buy grain from producers who have implemented these practices. That's wholly different than the carbon contracts that we've talked about in the last year or so, but that is something that I think we're going to start seeing more of on the horizon. And so how should producers respond to this situation? I think that it's going to depend on how this plays out, right? This is certainly not widespread yet, although we are seeing it with some companies. So I do think it's probably a good idea to at least, you know, consider some of this. Talk to your buyers, talk to the guys at the elevator, talk to your seed representatives who are involved you know, in the industry and see what they're seeing. I think that that is a good idea for folks. The other thing I think is you've got to make sure that before you adopt any of these practices, that it agronomically makes sense and it's going to economically make sense. And so I think that there's a lot of considerations that need to go into adopting these type of practices. Tiffany Dowell-Lashmitt is the agricultural law specialist for Texas A&M AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas pumpkin production is well below average this year. Tom Nicoletti goes to the pumpkin capital of Texas for the story. 
For today's program, we go to Floyd County, and Mark Carroll is my guest. He is Texas AgriLife Extension Agriculture and Natural Resources Agent for Floyd County, and Floyd County is known as the pumpkin capital of Texas, but uh, uh, Mark, this year the pumpkin yields have been uh, decreased by uh, the excessive heat and the drought. Uh, How severely low are those uh, yields? Visiting with my producers across the county, it's varied anywhere from 20% to 40%. A lot of that has to do with the severe drought we had starting in mid-July. We had decent rains through June and first part of July, and then we had no rain the last six weeks of the growing season, and that's really instrumental in making sure that we have a productive crop. The rain wasn't there to supplement the irrigation, so our yields are down significantly. Yes, that is a significant uh, decrease. Uh, What about the quality of the pumpkins that uh, did make The quality seems to be good for the ones that did make it. It depends on the variety. Some of our varieties did okay, and then some of the varieties that require more water, uh, they just weren't doing the the size and the quality that we normally have for Floyd County. So here we are in early October, and of course, pumpkins are popular for Halloween and really the entire autumn season going into Thanksgiving. So what's the harvest look like moving forward? Our harvest is wrapping up this week. Most of our farmers have finished up harvesting. There's still a few out there, and there's such a shortage in our county for pumpkins that some of the producers have gone back in the fields and gone through the pumpkins that they left to see if there's anything else they can get to try to help with the low output this year. That is Mark Carroll. He is Texas AgriLife Extension Agriculture and Natural Resources Agent in Floyd County. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hay is in short supply again this year, so 4-H specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson tells us minimizing hay losses will pay off big. The major objective for a hay feeding system should be to keep losses to a minimum. Some hay losses during feeding can be expected with any feeding system, but the amount of loss varies with the system used. Feeding losses include trampling, leaf shatter, fecal and urine contamination, and refusal. The levels and costs of these losses will be determined by feeding method, intervals between feedings, amounts fed at a time, weather conditions, the number of animals being fed, and forage quality. Here are some helpful hints to avoid feeding losses. Number one, minimize waste by unrolling bales during feeding. Number two, feed hay in small amounts. This limits trampling and spoilage. Number three, use a feeder. Feeding hay in a rack or hay ring also limits the opportunity that animals trample or sole hay and will reduce waste substantially. Number four, feed hay in well-drained areas. Standing mud and water increases the animal's stress levels. Number five, move hay feeding areas around the farm. This minimizes the damage to any one area of the pasture and spreads nutrients over a larger area since cattle congregate at feeders. And number six, feed hay stored outside before feeding hay stored inside. Hay can be most efficiently fed when separated into lots according to quality and when classes of animals are separated and fed according to needs. This allows hay quality to be matched to livestock needs. Hay is one of the most widely used supplemental forages of any livestock feeding program. With the cost of inputs required to make hay, it is important for producers to minimize feeding losses to the greatest extent possible. Hay can provide needed nutrients for animals. The livestock producer must pay close attention to the quality of the hay, as well as the factors influencing losses during hay making, storage, and feeding. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson, 
with Texas A&M, AgriLife Extension, and Overton for Texas Ag Today. A plan to breed ocelots and release them on a ranch in the valley could be key to helping the ocelot population recover. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And most spring calving beef cow herds are vaccinated in the fall. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park Agriculture Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Most spring calving beef cow herds are vaccinated in the fall. Dr. Bob Judd looks at some core vaccines that all cattle generally require. The American Association of Bovine Practitioners has provided recommendations for core vaccines for all cattle. The list of vaccines may change as disease risks change and new research is performed. The core guidelines help establish a set of minimum requirements for all cattle, but every operation is different. And this is where your local veterinarian comes in. Your local vet knows your cattle herd and also knows the diseases that are common in your area. An individual vaccination program based on the immune status of your animals, disease risk, biosecurity, and management should all be considered when designing your herd health program. Vaccines that are considered to be core vaccines are infectious bovine rhinotracheitis, or IBR, bovine viral diarrhea, or BVD, parainfluenza, or PI3, and bovine respiratory syncytial virus. Although this is not mentioned in the guidelines, blackleg vaccine is considered a core vaccine in Texas. Cattle type, age, disease risk, location of the operation, biosecurity practices, and herd history are all factors when evaluating risk-based vaccines, such as brucellosis in young heifers. This is something you need to review with your veterinarian every year because disease risks change. For example, if you have a stalker operation and decide to switch to cow-calf, your vaccine program will be different. Also, it is not just which diseases to vaccinate for, but the type of vaccines to use. Many of these diseases have either a killed or modified live vaccine available. The kill vaccines usually require two doses one month apart, while a modified live vaccine provides longer protection, but some cannot be used in pregnant animals. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 
Releasing ocelots on a ranch in the Rio Grande Valley could be the key to helping the ocelot population recover. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. With between 100 and 150 ocelots left in Texas, the East Foundation is looking for ways to help improve their population numbers. The foundation is a South Texas ranching operation and agricultural research organization. Neil Wilkins, East Foundation CEO, says one of the problems with such a small population of ocelots is that close relatives are likely breeding with one another. If we don't correct that, then we're going to end up in the same situation as, say, the Florida panther was, where that population had decreased reproductive abilities and a lot of different kind of sicknesses. And we probably already have that within our current ocelot population. Wilkins said they hope to make use of genetics from the zoo ocelot population to breed ocelots that may be released on the foundation's ranch in the valley. We've begun work that's a little more practically directed at restoration and recovery of ocelots, and that's whether we can collect semen from male ocelots and impregnate female ocelots so that we can increase the genetic diversity and perhaps captively rear ocelots for release into the wild and help the genetics of the current population and then perhaps develop a new population if we were going to recover ocelots on private lands across South Texas. The foundation is awaiting approval of a proposed safe harbor agreement. The agreement would provide landowners protection as ocelots are reintroduced on the ranch. You can comment on the proposal on regulations.gov through October 16th. On regulations.gov, search East Foundation Ocelots. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm Amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. 
The cattle complex ended on an upswing on Friday. We saw both live and feeder cattle make gains. To wrap up the week, October live cattle up $1.12, $183.07. December up $1.30, $186.67. With February live cattle up $1.17 at $190.77. Feeder cattle higher as well. October feeders up $0.87, $248.37. November feeders up $0.57 at $250.87. January feeder cattle up 72 cents at 253.77. Cash fed cattle market over the past week selling mostly at 182 here in the Southern Plains. That's about a buck lower than the previous week's average. In the Northern Plains, dress cattle sold from 288 to 291. That's mostly a dollar higher compared to last week's average. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up 486 at 302.62. Select up 43 cents, 275.20. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Texas neighbor, welcome back to the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network and my program, Walking the Pens. I'm Larry Marble. This is my cousin Brian Lintzman, Seguin Cattle Company. They sell on Wednesday both sheep and goats and cattle. Cousin, how'd they do it? Larry ended up with 789 head of cattle. The stalker calf market unchanged. You know, market's still good. Packer cows and bulls, I'd call them another five to eight softer this week. I mean, you know, it, it's that time of year they don't want our cows. But uh, those good two, three weight steers, 214 to three. 10, 3 to 4 weights, 214 to 320. 4 to 5 up weights, 216 to 311. 5 to 6 weights, 205 to 272. 6 to 7 weights, 190 to 240. With 7 to 8 weight steers, 178 to 230. Uh, heifer mates, 2 to 3 weights, 177 to 260. 3 to 4 weights, 194 to 274. Two 4 to 5 weights, 198 to 245. 6 weights, 183 to 240. And 6 to 700 pound heifers, 158 to 210. Uh, top end of the Packer cows today, 98 cents. Uh, had a few pairs from uh, 800 to, or excuse me, from 585 to 1200. A few bred cows, 800 to 1275. And top end of the Packer bulls, $1.20 today. Sheep and goats, uh, 688 out of those. Uh, top end of the nannies, $205. With the kid goats, bring us from 205 to 317 and the Dorper use uh, up to $160 with lambs bringing 180 to 275 so you know every week we see that creeping up a little bit but good other than that good sale well hope to have a good one next uh, Wednesday tell everybody how to get a hold of you Brian give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can call me on my cell phone 830-305-0652 maybe that's all she wrote all the time we've got for livestock market operator reports here on Walking the Pins Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network Work my guest, cousin Brian Lentzman, Seguin Cattle Company. You're listening to He and I right now on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher on Friday. October hogs up $1.42 at $82.32. December hogs up $1.30, $73.57. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby October contract down a penny, $16.84.00 weight. November milk up nine cents at $17.37.00. Cotton market finished slightly higher on Friday. The outside markets tended to support prices as well as technical factors helping to keep a bottom in the market. Things like a recovering Dow, crude oil, and gold prices up also lent some positive influences to the market. December cotton up 60 points, 87.14. March up 60 points at 88.19. May cotton up 67 at 88.95 cents. Grain markets, however, ended the week lower. Lower close in both corn and wheat. 
December corn down five and a half, 492 a bushel. March corn down five, 507 and a quarter, with May corn down five and a quarter, 515 and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat ended lower. Hard wheat got hit the hardest. December Kansas City wheat down 16 and three quarters, 673 and three quarters, with December Chicago wheat dropping 10 cents. 568 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas up 16 cents at 332. November West Texas crude up 52 cents, 82.83 a barrel. The financial markets higher Friday afternoon. The Dow was up 288 points, 33,407. The Nasdaq up 211, 13,431. The S&P up 50 points, 4,308. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.